The subject is step out of the crowd onto the field and play your part. And um, in the Bible, the crowd was everywhere. The crowd followed Jesus everywhere. The crowd followed people who were, were sick. And, and, and the crowd got in the way. And, and, and the crowd listened to Jesus, to what he, he had to say. The, the crowd thought about what he had to say. Some of them even praised him and said, Who is this man you know, that he speaks with such authority? The crowd were amazed by Jesus, by the miracles that he did, by the words that he said. They, they stood in awe of him. And, and some of the crowd, even the disciples, the ones that were closer in the crowd, thought that Jesus' teaching was too hard and walked away from him. And you can see that in John chapter 6. But you know, we never see the crowd do anything significant at all. Except act like sheep. Get caught up in the moment. Feel emotion. And act together. Either praising him, like when Jesus came into, into Jerusalem um, on, on his triumphal entry. The crowd was breaking branches off palm trees and laying them on the floor. And people were putting their clothes before, before him. And the, and the crowd was shouting, Hosanna in the highest. And a couple of days later, the crowd was shouting with the Pharisees, Give us Barabbas, crucify him. That's the crowd. But on the other hand, the Bible is full of individuals. I found it very interesting that as we were worshipping, Luke felt that we should shout out what we love about Jesus. And so we kind of did it as a crowd, and it was... And then Luke said, no, wait, wait, let's, let's be quiet. And let's individuals say... And as we started to do that, I'm telling you the presence of the Holy Spirit was so evident. I just started crying in the corner there, in my own little corner. And the Bible is full of individuals, men, women, children, who encounter Jesus from Abraham and Sarah to Moses to, um, you're thinking of, of big, well-known people, to, to Hannah, the mother of Samuel, whose heart was broken and, and she came to God as an individual and said, give me a son. And her son was a little boy called Samuel who came and encountered God. Do you remember Samuel lying down in the temple and he thinks Eli is calling him? Do you, do you know that story in the Bible? I know many of us have never read the Bible. But little Samuel, why are you pointing at him? Can I explain to you what the Bible is? So a little boy, to Ruth, to David, another shepherd boy in the field, to Mary and Joseph. You know, Mary was probably, I don't know, 
a young teenager, betrothed to be married, and uh, the Holy Spirit chooses her and chooses to come upon her. And there's a beautiful, there's a beautiful song that's been written. It's called Mary's Song. I wish I could play it to you now. Um, Who's the DJ? Mary singing. She says, you know, I've traveled many moonlit nights, you know, with a babe inside. And Father, you have come and chosen me now to carry your son. Right? And then it continues a little bit longer. And then it sounds like this. Breath of heaven, breathe over me your holiness, for you are holy. Who was singing that song? They're right at the end. You are holy, you are holy. And then Luke said, breathe him in. Breathe in the Spirit. And all through the Bible, the Holy Spirit comes and chooses individuals and breathes his life and his purpose and his plans into individual people, not into the crowd. And I want to read you a short story of just this thing happening. And, and it's found in um, John chapter 6. And it starts like this, verse 1. After this, Jesus crossed to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd followed him because they saw the signs he was performing on the sick. Then Jesus went up the mountain and sat down with his disciples. Now the Jewish feast of the Passover was near, and when Jesus looked up and saw a large crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where can we buy bread for these people to eat? But he was asking this to test him, for he knew what he was about to do. Philip answered, 
200 denarii would not buy enough bread for each of them to have even a small piece. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, Here is a boy with five barley loaves and two small fish. But what difference will these make among so many? Have the people sit down, Jesus said. And we know what happens next, don't we? The story is called the feeding of the 5,000. A large crowd. There was 5,000 men and their wives and their children. So it was a big crowd. Let's say 10,000, right? But the Bible says the feeding of the 5,000. So we'll keep it to 5,000. But that's just the title. It's not in the scripture. Anyway. Five to 10,000 people gathered together. Some of them would have been leaders in the community. Others of them would have been wealthy. Some would have been teachers and scholars. Some would have been bakers. And, and, and some would have worked at pick and pay. The whole crowd was there together. Listening, <coughs> all hungry, but only one individual made a difference. He wasn't the leader of them all. He wasn't the most educated. He wasn't the most gifted. But what he had been given was lunch. <coughs> he had a good mom. And she gave him five little rolls and two fish. Thank you so much. One person making all the difference. <laughs> 10,000 people consumed it, enjoyed it. Were amazed by it, attended it, observed it, experienced it, but one brought something. And the Bible teaches that all of us are like that little boy. Each one of us has been given a gift or a grace, an ability. To do something or see something or feel something. The Bible tells us that each one of us are made to be the part of the wider body. Each of us, each individual, not the crowd, but each one. One is a fingernail. Do you know what it's like? When your fingernail gets hurt? <laughs> Did you chop your finger off? Not the whole finger, just the nail. The top of the thumb? Okay, come, let's do an example. Come, come. <laughs> okay? So, oh, that looks sore. Is it sore? 
It is so. It is so. It is so. Okay. So I'm going to show you what it's like now when just one little part of the body isn't playing its role. Just hold it out like this. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. The Bible, um, in, in 1 Corinthians, chapter 14, verse 26, it says this. What then, brothers, when you come together, and that doesn't mean when you come together on a Sunday only. It means whenever you meet, at home, in community, on the beach, for a braai, at work, at school. What then, brothers, when you come together... Each one. Say each one. Each one. Uh, I see some people at the back didn't say each one. Say each one. Each one. Each one has a hymn. We heard that this morning. A song. Each one has a lesson. <laughs> a revelation. A tongue, Tanya. Did we have a tongue this morning? Or an interpretation? And then it says, let all things be done. The opposite of that is, let them not be done. Keep them quiet. Be prompted to do something, but just don't do it. Don't Nike. <laughs> for building up the church. For building up one another. Each one brings something. It doesn't have to be up front. Jess here is doing something today. What time did you arrive, Jess? Ten to eight. Sure, the preacher only arrived at 8.30. Why did you arrive so early, Jess? To begin to set up. Ah, okay. Why? So that it's ready. Why? <laughs> to serve. Why? You can see where this is going, eh? Because she forced you to. Okay, well done. You're an activator. Okay. But why did it have to be ready? Because it's needed. Why? Because without it, there will be no worship. Because we won't know the words. Or without it, you won't be able to read the scripture and I'm going to be hamstrung. And you're going to be hamstrung. Without Jess, this thing falls apart. Hmm. So let's look in Romans 12 what it says. It says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. 
Each one of us has been given a gift that is different to everybody else. That means if you don't use yours, we don't get it. Because there ain't no one else bringing it. Because it's different. You say, no, hold on. Luke preaches, and Lucas preaches. You're getting something there. If your name begins with a Lou. No, just play. It's not the same. I cannot preach like he does. And he cannot preach like I do. Our gifts are different. Thank you for laughing. <laughs> I try hard. And sometimes somebody... And then it's, it lists some. Listen to them. If prophecy in proportion to your faith. If service in our serving. The one who teaches in his teaching. The one who exhorts in his exhortation. The one who contributes. Nadine, what an amazing finance teaching. Best one I've ever heard. Really? No, I'm not lying. Are you going to come to Sunningdale 11 a.m. and give that same one? I'm telling you, my faith was stirred. Yeah. No. <laughs> In generosity, the one who leads with zeal, Luke. Wow. I mean, the zeal is there. And, 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 and Ben, I love your zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now, today, who did an act of mercy? Who did an act of mercy? And the kids' church workers. Thank you, Jesus, for them. In 1 Peter 4, verse 10, the Apostle Peter says, As each has received a gift, which means each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul picks up again, and I'm nearly finished with the Scriptures. Don't go to sleep on me. But Anton told me it's important, Anton, it's important to read the Scriptures. So here you're getting them. Now there are varieties of gifts. Say varieties of gifts but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service. Say that. But the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities. Say that. But it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So can you see that? Varieties of gifts, service, and activities. Close your eyes. Okay, now open them again. We're going to do that just now. It continues. It continues and says this. To each is given. To each. That means to each individual. Not to the crowd. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Now, the Bible speaks manifestation. What does manifestation mean? 
Did somebody just growl? <laughs> Stay in. Stay in. Usually it's come out. Yeah. What does manifestation mean? To make visible. Thank you, Howie. Yeah. I love Howie. To each is given something to make visible the Spirit for the common good. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So, so what are some of these gifts? Because we can see varieties of gifts, varieties of service, varieties of activities. Okay? So some of the gifts he then lists in the next sentence. And he says, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, then teachers, then miracle workers, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tanya. I mean tongues. We, folk, we, we know about apostles, right? We're devoted to their teaching. Andrew and Brad and Jonathan and apostles. And prophets like Mervis and Nadine and others. And then teachers. But then, who do you know that's a miracle worker? Me. Who? Jonathan Conrad? Uh, you know what? I, I think it's a miracle that some of us arrive here on a Sunday morning fed, dressed, cared for. I think our mothers are miracle workers. Then it says gifts of healing. Who's a gift of healing? You know when, you, when you've been hurt, when you, who's the one who comes alongside you and gives you a hug? Helping, gifts of helping. Who's a gift of helping? No, 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 she's a gift of administrating. I'm nearly finished. Jesus taught in the Bible that he views each one of us as either a steward or a manager of what he's given us, of what he's made us to be, of our time. Now we're going to be nice, we're going to use T's, of our talents, of our treasure. But we've heard that so many times, it doesn't mean anything to us anymore. And so I'm going to use different words. Jesus makes us managers of our calendar, of our gifts and grace, of our finances, of our influence. Not as a people 
or as a church, or as Josh Jen, or even not as Millie's congregation, but individually. The Bible is very clear that on Judgment Day, each one of us will be called before Christ to give an account of our lives to God as individuals, not as a crowd. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, the Amplified Version. Do you have the Amplified Version there? Look at that. For we must, and, and this means believers, will all be called to account. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or bad. That is, each will be held responsible for his actions, his purposes, his goals, his motives, the use or misuse of his time, opportunities, and abilities. Now it's going to get a bit hectic here. I apologize. But Jesus warns very clearly that he expects certain things from us. Individually, not collectively. In Luke chapter 16, I'm going to read verse 1 and 2 and then verse 10. Jesus said, he also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager. Do you remember that name? He had a manager. And charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And what did he do? And he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. There's a day coming. Jesus didn't just tell them stories because they were nice and they illustrated a point. Jesus told them this story to say, there's a day coming when I am the rich man, Jesus, not me, and you are the manager. And Jesus will say to all of us, turn in an account of your management of what I've given you. And then he continues and says, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. And many of us, like, like Andrew preached at This Is Church, we're waiting to know, am I an apostle to the nations? Am I a prophet? Am I a pastor? Am I a teacher? I'm waiting for my big calling and then I'll be faithful. But Jesus says, no, it starts off with very little. It starts off with, will you be here at 10 to 8 or 8.30? Will you help to straighten the carpets when they're put down and carry the chairs and set them out? Or will you arrive for your coffee? Jesus thought this was so, much, so important. In Luke, three chapters later, chapter 19, he says this. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Who is he talking about? Himself. Jesus is a nobleman who went to heaven to receive a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minors. These are 
coins of value, gifts, and said to them, engage in business until I come. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they had gained by doing business. You see, Jesus has given Ian gifts. He's put a very powerful mind in him. He's given him unbelievable administration capabilities, insight, wisdom, leadership, the ability to plan and organize amongst others. I'm talking just about a particular gift he's been given that I don't have. Ten miners. And on that day, Jesus says to him, Ian, use them. Engage in business. Do something with it so that I can get a return on what I've given you. And the return isn't, what kind of house do you live in? Are you comfortable? Do you have a nice car? Are you... Are you Promoted at work? Are you, have you been made a director yet? It's all irrelevant. Because it's for Jesus that the return is required. I've personally made the mistake of using my business gifts and talents to buy myself a huge house and nice cars and become very comfortable. And I've been challenged that on the end, on that day, God is going to come to me and say, did you enjoy driving that nice car? No, he's not going to ask me that. Was it comfortable for, enough for you in Atlantic Beach? No, he's not going to ask me that. He's going to say, I gave you gifts and talents and abilities. What return have you gotten for me? For my kingdom, for my people, for the common good. And the parable continues and it says, Then came another to him saying, Lord, here is your miner that you gave me. I kept it laid away in a handkerchief. Why? Did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming I might have collected it with interest. Jesus said. I'm not going to read you what happened to that guy. Because it's a bit too scary. And so I'm going to close. We've all been given something. Something different. Unique. The Lord requires a return. Interest. That we use it in love for others to bring him glory. Many of you are doing this. And to you, the Lord says, well done. Do more. And yet many remain in the crowd, holding back. What's holding you back? Is it fear? This little gift of mine, it's too small. I don't know if it... 
I don't know if I'll be rejected. Comparison. Uncertainty. Not, not knowing exactly what your gift is. The Lord's call today is. Step out of the crowd. And play. Start engaging in business. With what I've given you.